Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. My name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here with Hillary Berg. It is May 11, 2017. We're at the Nicholson Library. And Hillary, we're going to start you off by asking you why wine? Well, my path to wine actually was not um, intentional. I actually, um, my introduction to wine was through my husband at the University of Kansas. Um, he, he's about seven years older and we met, um, we met there. Um, he had already graduated, but I was in journalism school. And he, um, he and his family were moving out here from the Chicago area, buying property. I had just met him and he, within three months of meeting him, he moved out here. So I followed him for a summer, thinking, I really like this guy. <laughs> uh, so I followed him and um, loved the Portland area. We had a great time. Uh, the vineyard was coming along. We planted it in 90, or the, the land at that point was coming along. It was in 98. They planted it in 99 and 2000. Now I'm jumping ahead. But anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, he introduced me to wine. Um, I ended up obviously following out him out here and we got married in 2003 so he is my path to wine um, I would not have n- dreamed of being in the wine industry <laughs> it was never part of my you know uh, goal or anything mm-hmm. but um, journalism has been something that's been a part of my life since high school so um, anyway so that was what I was focused on but I came out here with him into wine country and it's been great. So what were your initial feelings when your husband decided he was going to start this career in the wine industry? Well, um, I thought it was pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty exotic uh, things, you know, from Kansas. Um, uh, It, uh, I thought it was great. And we had made lots of friends at the very beginning. um, And it was beautiful land and no complaints from me. (laughs) <laughs> as you started to consider working in the industry yourself were there apprehensions there for you um well yeah because i am from kansas <laughs> and um it's not as backwoods as as people on the coast think it is it's actually not at all but they you know that how you know how would somebody from kansas know anything about wine or being a wine editor um and to be frank I didn't know much when I started. I know how to put a publication together. Mm-hmm. Um, I know how to research. I know how to interview people. I know how to um, uh, graphic design. I did that for six years before this job. So I had all the tools, and the subject matter was just me, you know, approaching it and um, trying to, you know, learn as much as I could at the time. And frankly, you never stop learning about wine. Sure. Um, you, uh, the best reporters are the ones that don't know everything. They're actually asking to learn themselves. So for me, um, the subject matter, yes, was intimidating, but um, I approached it in that kind of journalistic way that I'm just going to explore this. And, um, and I didn't think, you know, I thought 
it would last, uh, the job would, you know, be a great way to get closer into the industry mm -hmm. um, besides owning a vineyard, but I never thought I'd be here for 11 years, <laughs> 11 years later. So, um, but it's been fun and it's, you know, the wine industry is, they are um, very excited about their industry and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to be around that kind of excitement, so. Sure. So you mentioned a little bit about graphic design. Uh, what else were you doing before you started working on the wine press? So before the wine press, um, when I moved out here, I got a job at a, a company called Strategy Publishing, and they did um, uh, custom publishing for trade publications. So Street of Dreams, have you ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we did the magazine that you know people would pick up. I did strictly. I did graphic graphic design. Mm -hmm. My major was journalism, but it was magazine, and so it was more of the layout. Um, of course, we had reporting and everything, but it was that particular track was more visual, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did graphic design, and um, we it was in Tigard, and I really got uh, tired of the commute mm -hmm. from Tigard to Yamhill. Mm -hmm. um, so I decided to explore how I could, you know work closer to home. I had met the, um, the, the owner of the News Register, Jeb Ledeen, mm -hmm. at a friend's house at a poker party. <laughs> and um, maybe a week earlier, I had heard that the, that the wine press was no longer, that the people that had been doing it since 1984 were no longer doing it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I thought, hmm, somebody should buy that and they can hire me to do the graphic design. Well, so I approached Jeb, I said, you know what? This publication's no longer being printed. I think you should buy it and I think you should hire me. <laughs> A bold statement. Yeah, yeah. And um, not to be the editor, to be the designer, because that's what I was super comfortable doing and, sure. and still am. But um, he, uh, he said, okay. He said, but I see you have a journalism degree. I'm like, yes. Anyway, he ended up hiring me to be the editor, to be the whole, the whole thing. In the beginning, I was doing the editing, some of the writing. Obviously, I freelance writers, but I was designing ads in the beginning. Now we have a, an entire staff that we share the news register staff mm -hmm. for ad design and stuff. But yeah, so in the beginning, that, and that was very intimidating. Sure. So here's a girl from Wichita, Kansas, pretending to be a wine editor. <laughs> that has never been me, and that will never be me. I'm just me putting, to, uh, putting together a publication and gathering stories. Sure. So that's, that's been my approach, and it will be, because I am not an, a wine expert. So did, did, you, did, you have, <laughs> did you have trepidations then about actually being the editor? Oh what, my what, gosh, what, yeah. what convinced you to do it? Um, because I, I tend to do things that make me uncomfortable. Um, when I start kind of feeling like I'm not being challenged, that's when I kind of start looking. Um, and it just seemed, you know, it was the only kind of opportunity I saw out here. I mean, there's not a lot of industry out here mm -hmm. um, in my uh, profession. Sure. So I, I kind of had to go digging a little bit and um, uh, yeah, I was I was pretty intimidated. I still am. <laughs> I'll see people on the street, you know, that have been in the industry for, you know, 30 years, like Ponzi's, although they're friends of ours. Mm -hmm. 
and they still make me nervous, you know, because you're you're still the new newcomer, even sure. though um, 2002 is our first vintage, so that's we're maybe one of the older people in the industry, but not not at all, right, you know, right, not at all. Right. So it's one of those things where you always feel like a kid, you know, uh -huh. you never you never quite feel like you're at the grown up table. <laughs> I like that. It's good. <laughs> Uh, so you, uh, so you're kind of thrown into this job that you're not really prepared for in terms of the industry knowledge. Yes. How did you go about learning Oregon wine then? Um, well, owning your own winery and listening to your husband and, you know, participating in Crush and Harvest. Mm -hmm. um, I actually knew more than I thought I did. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the wine tasting, we have a seller selects, used to be called Value Picks. Um, that has been very helpful in my wine tasting. Mm -hmm. um, gleaning information from the writers that I kind of gathered together, the people that are super passionate about wine. Um, I love wine, am I super passionate about it? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love wine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, you know, you gather people around you that can really get the job done and are, again, passionate about it. And so I learned from them. Mm -hmm. um, uh, just, you know, surrounding yourself with, you know, educated people and, and learning beside them as well, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, wine is a never-ending, you know, educational pursuit. I mean, I, people that pretend to know everything, you know, that's just not, right. that's not real. Sure. <laughs> so you mentioned that the wine press had been, was on its way to shutting down at the yeah. time when it was sold. So what kind of reputation did the, did it have in the industry? Yeah, so the wine press, um, it was the only thing that was being done, was being published on wine. Um, the owners, Elaine Cohen and Richard Hopkins, uh, they were v passionate about wine, mm -hmm. but they did not, um, they, they lacked a little bit of polish. Um, and the, he was a writer, but there were lots of mistakes, lots of spelling errors. Um, they were a two-person operation. Um, I think they, they attended everything, mm -hmm. everything. And I don't attend everything. Um, I have freelancers that do. So I can see how they were very overextended. Mm -hmm. um, so benefit, giving them the benefit, they were, um, and they were entrepreneurs to be doing this. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, they had to get the distribution together and the, and the printing costs had to be figured out. And when we took it over at the News Register, everything was set and I knew that would be the case. I would, we had a printer, we mm -hmm. had a distribution, mm -hmm. um, a circulation program. They had advertising staff ready to go. So I kind of took it and put it into like a well-oiled machine while they had to create the machine. And so the reputation of it was um, not so great, but it was, the, it was the only thing that they had. And they were friends of most everyone. Mm -hmm. So it was just one of those um, situations where I think that they really tried hard, but um, they, it needed to grow. And so I guess we took it to the next level. And we, we try to do that occasionally, <laughs> taking it to the next level, because sure. we used to be newspaper mm -hmm. only. Now we have a glossy cover. I would love to be all glossy, but we're owned by a newspaper, so that's kind of <laughs> tough. Um, and they own the printing plant. So um, that probably won't happen 
under this ownership, but um, I can see it going there. But also people really enjoy, that's more Oregon, right? To be a little more granola mm -hmm. and to have that, um, people like to think that Oregon is not all glossy, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a little more homegrown. It's a little more um, uh, down to earth. And so we've had people say, no, don't go all glossy. <laughs> So, anyway, we, we embrace it. I, as an editor and as a graphic designer, some you know, you work so hard on something, and sometimes the print doesn't reflect um, what looked so great on your screen. Mm -hmm. But but it's all it it works out great, and I think that you know people love the magazine, and we at least we hope they do. So on that note, what would yeah. you what would you what do you think the reputation of it is is today? I think it's pretty good. Um, uh, we have, we hear that a lot, that people really enjoy the publication. They look for it every month. Mm -hmm. um, they, they'll tell people um, at tasting rooms that they said, I didn't know this, but I heard, I read this in the wine press, kind of like I, you know, I listen to NPR every morning. <laughs> I heard this on NPR this morning, sure. that kind of thing. So that feels really good that people are actually reading it and following it and know our, getting to know our writers. Um, and just, uh, yeah, making it their go-to for Oregon wine. Mm -hmm. Sure. So you talked a little bit about this, but were there any notable challenges as you were sort of recreating the, the, the publication? Um, that's a good question. Me? <laughs> <laughs> I was a challenge. You were a challenge. No. Um, yeah, I mean, just figuring it out, and you know, um, in my from my uh, school days, you know, we I was magazine, so there's got to be departments and there's got to be themes, and mm -hmm. and so I kind of reinvented what they had done a little bit, uh, not reinvented, but tweaked it a lot to make it more like a magazine as opposed to like a newsletter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a challenge, but um, yeah, getting people to realize that we were worthy of the new ad uh, ad rates. Sure, sure. Um, and it was a challenge to kind of put it out there and not, um, and feel confident about it just because it had had such a kind of a poor reputation for at least the last five years of under the uh, original owners. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so, you know, every new project has a ch its challenges, but I, I think we did it pretty smoothly. Yeah. Looking back, <laughs> I might be blocking things out, but I don't know. <laughs> was there a moment you can remember where you felt like you had made it or you had, you had, you were on the right track? Probably when people started commenting that they enjoyed it, you know, yeah. or I read your letter. Oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> because writing for me wasn't necessarily something I had done professionally. Actually, I had done hadn't done anything professionally in that category. Mm -hmm. So for me to be writing again uh, for the first time professionally, <laughs> uh, to hear that was great. That's when I knew that okay, maybe I'm a, a do, I'm doing an okay job, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and. Um, and just the mentioning of oh, it looks so much better, and that was a cool cover, and you know, little, uh, you know, little kudos here and there mm -hmm. goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Sure. So that I guess I don't know. Have we made it yet? 
I, I can never say that, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it feels like we're on a good path for sure. Good. Good. Yeah. How would you describe the mission of Orgwine Press or the, or the goal? Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of our mission statement. I know we have one, but really the mission is to um, promote Oregon wine. So we don't, you know, I'll get press releases about, you know, uh, Napa this or that, and of course we're not going to run that. This is about Oregon wine. Mm -hmm. um, and just uh, my mission is also to not cover just the big guys, mm -hmm. but to cover um, everybody in every part of state, every part of the state. So that means uh, Southern Oregon, who they often feel a little um, underrepresented. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a big deal. Um, Columbia Gorge, it's not all Willamette Valley. I try to do that in every issue, try to include something from different parts of the state. Um, and it's not as challenging as it sounds, actually. There's a lot going on in Southern Oregon. Columbia Gorge is a little harder. Um, that's, that's a lot smaller, actually. Mm -hmm. And they're a little harder to um, rally sometimes, but Southern Oregon is very uh, energetic down there. And um, so, uh, yeah, the mission is to just give everybody a shout out and to, you know, honestly take turns. You know, we wrote about you. Mm -hmm. I know you got 95 points on your wine, <laughs> but it's time to tell this guy's story over here who hasn't even submitted wines yet, but mm -hmm. he's got a cool story to tell, that kind of thing, yeah. you know? So when you hear complaints from the industry, is that the usual complaint, is you're not paying enough attention to me or my region, or is there another yeah. complaint? I mean, yeah, um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what they complain about. That would probably be in the advertising department, you know. Mm -hmm. They weren't happy with their ad or something, but we really haven't had a whole lot of complaints other than, you know, yeah, n not really. Not that I can think of. You know, there's the grammar Nazis that will, you know, send you a three-page letter on, you know, one word that you misspelled and or misused. Mm -hmm. But that, I mean, I find those hilarious. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, people are pretty satisfied. That's good, that's good. So on a, uh, as you go month to month basis, how do you think about designing? How, do you, how, do you, how does your design plan work? Well, I usually just, you know, take the story and um, the story tells me what should be on the page. So um, photos, um, I try to uh, plan things out months in advance. Um, the cover photo is always kind of three, you know, at least three months in advance working, you know, what's that going to look like, working with the photographers mm -hmm. for um, art direction um, and just coming up with little concepts here and there. Um, the design is just kind of, I mean, it's kind of set right now. We have certain, there's a look to it right now. Mm -hmm. and. And I kind of retool that maybe every three years. I'll, you know, like I said, I don't like feeling comfortable, so I'll be like, oh, I'm going to change it up. <laughs> so right now, I'm feeling good about the design, and it's solid. It's not, it's not a Portland Monthly where there's diagram, you know, um, infographics here and there on every page. We don't, we don't have the staff for that. We don't have the manpower for that. Mm -hmm. um, just a clean, 
readable copy with nice photos is is pretty much all that our staff can handle. <laughs> um, I know, I mean, I, I appreciate those magazines and I want to be like that, but that's just not a, that's just not even, it's not possible mm -hmm. at this point, you know? Sure. But I, I would love to get that to that level, but that's a lot of work. Those little infographics or even these little sidebars that tell you, you know, five great places and then all of those little, all that little information takes time mm -hmm. to gather and I'm the only editorial person in the office, so I've either got to rely on a freelancer to do something like that. So anyway, we work with what we have, mm -hmm. and so I think people appreciate what we put out, and I think we haven't heard anything yet um, as far as them wanting to, us to be something else sure. other than what we already are. Sure. You know? How are your stories chosen? Um, so basically, I have a lot of writers right now that are great at pitching me stories. So they'll, you know, have uh, gone to an event and said, "Oh my gosh, I met this person. He owns a vineyard. It's a cool, cool story behind the vineyard. Can I do a story?" Absolutely, perfect. I'll fit it in. I mm -hmm. mean, that's really how it happens. Mm -hmm. We have a editorial calendar where we um, every month. It's for advertising reasons, so that they can sell it on sure. that. Um, July is our entertainment issue, so we'll kind of do some sort of a creative cover with a musician in the industry, or last year it was these pirates. Oh yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember the pirates. Yeah, um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then we'll have the summer entertainment schedule. So I choose stories based on the theme, mm -hmm. definitely the cover. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the rest of it kind of gets filled in, and the theme pops up maybe here and there in the other departments, but. It's really what what our my writers are kind of eager to tell, you know, are eager to cover, and mm -hmm. I find that what they find that they, you know, want to write about is interesting, you know, to most everybody. Mm -hmm. So I kind of rely on my writers. I've been pretty spoiled with them <laughs> pitching me stories. They are very eager to, um, you know, have their own voice and other and and bring up these topics and maybe think of it in a trend way you know what's the trend right now so pet nat is kind of a popular trend mm -hmm. um the sparkling wine mm, okay uh, that's it's not traditional um but that so i had two writers pitch me on that and i'm like oh okay this is kind of they're trending right mm -hmm. now but um so we'll go with that and you know really whatever comes my way and if it sounds interesting and it's not boring and it's not <laughs> praising some winery for being you know I don't know it's that it's real it feels mm -hmm. real to me that they're these people are authentic then I'm like yeah let's do it you know so that's kind of how stories end up in there and you have a mixture of staff writers and freelance writers? Or is it all freelance? No, uh, I'm the only person on the all editorial the side. Okay. It's myself, and then we have two salespeople. And so the rest of it is freelancers. Wow. And I usually, I write my letter, and I usually write, I, write, I mean, I write all the headlines and the captions, um, pull together the calendar, and then I, sometimes I will write maybe one or two stories a month on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I feel like I can't convey exactly what I want in a story, I'll just do it. Um, <laughs> but most of the time, yeah, I'm, I'm 
assigning it or I'm being pitched by a writer mm -hmm. or um, we have used stories from the news register that fits because they are a parent company sure. and that's very useful, um, very helpful. So um, it's, a, it's a real mixture. Sure. Impressive to be able to pull all that together every every month. Yeah, you know what? Um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I do it. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, I mean, I, I sit at my desk and I um, I got a I got a, a, a subscription or not subscription a membership to Planet Fitness. Mm -hmm. I've gone twice. <laughs> I think I'm going to go at lunch, and I never do because I'm sitting at my desk. Yeah. And um, I kind of towards the end of the month, I'm just pushing through and it's yeah it, it is kind of a wonder sometimes <laughs> it all comes together but it does <laughs> sure. I've got it dialed in at this point I think yeah yeah, yeah. all right let's well, we'll change track a little bit here and talk about Roots Wine Company a little yeah. bit and what you do with Roots and how Roots came to be okay cool um so Roots like I said I met my husband in mm -hmm. college and um they he and his parents planted the vineyard in 99 and 2000. Uh, we have seven acres of, no, eight. Uh, we started off with seven. We just planted another acre. Um, uh, Pinot Noir and just a couple rows of Pinot Gris. Um, all kinds of different clones. Um, we are in the Yamhill Carlton AVA, mm -hmm. across from Willie Kinsey Estate. Mm -hmm. Um, we're on the same hillside as Penarash, Shea, um, there's this little ridge. Uh, let's see, we're about, at the moment we're about 5,000 cases. Most of that is in a label called Clay, K-L-E-E. -E. Um, my husband's really good at, uh, not necessarily marketing, but business, uh, avenues. So it's a, it's a less expensive wine, mm -hmm. it's a better price point for most distributors, so he just, He's really good at blending too. So he just blends a, a Pinot and mm -hmm. bottles it and and it just flies off the shelf. <laughs> so um, we have that. And then we have Roots. Um, the vineyard itself was actually named um, by my husband. He loved the name Roots. And I was, uh, I was like, eh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of people thought of the TV show, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, uh, which is something I never watched as a kid. Uh, but um, so I didn't make that immediate connection, but some people do. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we were actually um, at a tasting with Louisa Ponzi. Um, my husband mentored under Eric Homaker, mm -hmm. Louisa's husband. Mm -hmm. And we were at a tasting, I think it was a memorial tasting. And she was saying, what is the French name for root? And I don't know French. And so she was like, I think it's Racine. Well, it turns out that my husband um, was born in Racine, Wisconsin. <laughs> So that was his root. That's awesome. So um, it's kind of a weird, you know, uh -huh. uh, a weird um, connection there. But he, um, so our, the name of our actual company is Racine Wine Company. And he, he wants like two different business names. So it's Roots Wine Company and Racine Wine Company. Um, but they, uh, yeah, so... Racine is actually our barrel select label. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, if he finds a barrel that is just unbelievably great on its own, doesn't need blending, you know, that gets bottled into Ray Racine. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I know I'm missing information in there. 
about our winery. We just built a winery. Okay. Um, he's been making, he's been, he learned to make wine, oops, he learned to make wine um, at Schmeckata, mm -hmm. but, but also being a cellar rat. So he worked at Rex Hill when Lynn Penarash was there in 99. Um, he worked with Eric Homaker, mm -hmm. learned from him. He considers Eric his kind of his mentor. Um, and where he learned everything. Um, he worked at Laurel Ridge for eight years, making our wine there and um, making their wine as well. Mm -hmm. When we left there, we decided we need to build a winery on our own property just because, you know, bouncing from wine when you're in your own, when you don't have a facility, you end up kind sure. of bouncing around a little sure. bit. And we were done. So we decided we're gonna invest in our own property and build a winery. Uh, but before that, we built a tasting room in our garage. We also said we need to get direct wine sales, so mm -hmm. we did that. Um, we don't have a garage yet, <laughs> uh, a replacement, but we're going to work on that soon. Um, so things are really coming together. I mean, um, we have a wine club with like 70 members. Mm -hmm. um, nice. nice. We're slowly building that. Um, we have a Pac-Man machine in our tasting room. Yeah, what more do you one of those that? vintage <sighs> table ones nice. from pizza places, yeah. you know? Um, and people enjoy that. We turn the volume down. <laughs> Otherwise, it's, it's a big problem. Probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, it's great because if parents are there with kids, kids are welcome. Dogs are welcome. Um, if kids are there, they're kind of entertained well, and it keeps them there mm -hmm. longer and they're more apt to maybe buy something. Nice. Or, um, so, yeah, uh, we have a good thing going on up there, I think, right now. Yeah. We live right next to it. I have one son, Theo, who's seven, and he used to just, you know, somebody would come up and he'd be all, like, not shy. But n now that we have strangers on our property every weekend, he has become very shy. <laughs> that's, the only, that's the only downside. He doesn't want to talk to strangers. And I get it. I mean, if we're strangers around my property, you know, at yeah. my house, yeah. I'd be like, I'm over this, but yeah. that's just the part of the small business owner. Yeah. You know, I, I think the Ponzi started in a garage, their garage. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you have yeah. them on yeah. video. Oh yeah. Yeah. So maybe, you know, there is, you can relate, they can relate to that. Um, you kinda just do what you got to do. You have to open yourself up to everybody. Yeah. yeah you kind of do. Yeah. And you know, there's not a lot of money to be made, actually. Um, we're all nuts to be doing this. <laughs> Unless you're Willie Kenzie and can sell it to, you know, they, sure. they, they put a lot of money in and then they um, took excellent care of what they were doing and then were able to sell it. I think that that is awesome. Mm -hmm. I think that's the goal of a lot of people. I mean, the goal is to make wine and have a lifestyle, but in the end, you want to be able to sell your business. Yeah. But um, people aren't in it for the money. There's, you know, they're just not. Yeah. If they are, they're fooling themselves. So, yeah. yeah. So what role do you play with Roots? Um, I design all the wine labels. Mm -hmm. um, I design the t-shirts and anything that, you know, needs designed. I <laughs> did the web website. Mm -hmm. I um, work on the wine club. Um, my mother-in-law, um, Chris's dad, passed away in 2014, so she's been our um, our um, tasting room manager, mm -hmm. which gets her, you know, she she likes that. 
So we're open Thursday, no, Friday through Sunday, um, March to December. And so she, she's been doing that. Um, I get pulled into that, into the tasting room all the time. So does Chris, which is another thing Theo doesn't like. <laughs> takes mommy and daddy away from him. Sure. Um, but uh, so I help out in the tasting room, you know, if something needs to be, if, I, if he needs help in the winery, I help. But I used to help more in the winery, but I, I don't. Um, Chris really has it. Um, he, he's very efficient and has an assistant and I'm just not as needed anymore and never really was. I think I'm thinking of crush and harvest, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, being there to process the fruit. Mm -hmm. I haven't done that in uh, years, and it, that's because he will do it. You know, middle of the day, I'm at work. He's going to get it done. He he just he just does it. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, I mow the grass. <laughs> I mean, it, I scrub the toilets. I mean, I kind of do a little bit of everything. Sure. Um, but the wine is all Chris. Yeah. And you talk about designing labels. You design labels for your friends as well. Is that right? I have. Um, I yes. So I've designed. Um, I would like to do more, but um, but it's just um, it's a lot of time and ego. <laughs> <laughs> so and a lot of them don't know what they want. They kind of you know they'll give you an idea and then you'll do it and then you'll just be circling and circling. So. Um, it's not super efficient, at least I don't know, I'm not sure how to do that for myself. Maybe I should take a class on that. But um, uh, most recently, Fairsing, mm -hmm. I did their label. Um, I've done, Carlton Hill was my first label. That was another one where I found an image of his barn. He's a croquet guy, mm -hmm. has a croquet court. Mm -hmm. And I found an image on eBay of a guy standing in a barn, front of a barn that looked just like his barn, so I, playing croquet <laughs> so I bought it and I said here's your image I'll do your label and he said okay <laughs> nice. I guess I'm bossy aren't I <laughs> um, but he so I did that one and then um, others throughout the years I'm trying to I did one for Eric Homaker um, eight his H label um, but yeah, so, and we have our own little labels that we do. Um, we just did a barrel project where the wine, we had a Grenache and a Cab that was in barrel for 67 months, mm. and a Chardonnay that was in barrel for 30 months. Delicious. Wow. Yeah. 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 And so we had these cool labels of um, rotting fruit. <laughs> Illustrations of rotting fruit. Now that is my husband's idea, and they came out gorgeous. <laughs> It is, you, you'd be shocked. Um, so, yeah. Takes a certain sensibility to uh, pull He's, off running fruit. My husband's very creative. <laughs> He'll come up with ideas and I'm like, oh God, are you sure? And then it just, I mean, our um, tagline is soil yourself. That's him, that's not me. And I was like, why don't we put spoil yourself and just kind of italicize the P. And so they kind of get the inference of soil. He said, no, it's soil yourself. And that's. Yeah, that's our tagline. It's on T-shirts, and people love it. That's, that's yeah. pretty great. That's pretty great. <laughs> so is there, uh, you've obviously made a lot of relationships in the industry, both yeah. by being in the industry and being in the, I mean, the wine press and all that. Is there any one in particular that kind of inspired you or that 
was made a big difference in your in your time in the industry? Most definitely, my husband. Um, goodness, uh, Cole Danauer um, was a great person that I learned a lot from. Um, I didn't know him as well as or as long as I should have. Um, again, I was totally intimidated, so I'd see him at a industry gathering, and I. I'd avoid him. I'm like, oh my God, he's, because I'm, you know, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an imposter. I don't, I don't, shouldn't be here. <laughs> but yeah. um, he, I really looked up to him. He didn't know it, but, you know, I just, the way he carried himself, his um, writing, his, you know, just, just him. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm not sure that's a good question. Probably my husband. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 I really respect him. It, this, it takes a lot of work. Um, when, when you were planting first, was there anybody who was like, hey, I'll, I'll help you make wine or I'll help you learn how to do this? Or was it, were you kind of independent when it got started? Or No. So he was working, um, some of the early people that he worked with were Dean and Ann Fisher from mm-hmm. Adia. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked with, and they're still good friends of ours, um, Eric Homaker. Mm-hmm. Um, the Apollonis have been really great. He made wine at their place for a couple years, but they're out in banks, so it was kind of a haul. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they were formative, definitely. Um, you know, Chris himself, he's got a lot, a lot of different people that have, you know, helped him particularly uh, learning sales or um, mm-hmm. just different, you know, different aspects, making sparkling, um, which he knows how to do, and we have sparkling uh, wines. Um, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's a hard one. <laughs> I'm not sure. You don't always really stop to think about it. No, you don't, yeah. no. I mean, there's the obvious ones, but you know you're missing one. Yeah. And that kind of a question, <laughs> an obvious one that you're missing, sure. but it's kind of eluding you at the time. So, I'm not sure. So, jumping back to the wine press a little bit, um, obviously the industry has exploded in the last 15, 20 years, um, you know, tripling in size and everything like that. Um, what do you see the future of the wine press looking like? Are you going to expand? Are there going to no. be satellite offices, more staff? Yeah, I've I've been approached that we that we should do a similar publication in the Russian River Valley, mm-hmm. and one in Washington. They said this we don't have anything like this. We don't have anything. I mean, there's SIP Northwest, but that's that's dedicated to Washington, Oregon, British Columbia. It's just a much broader mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. scope. But Washington doesn't have a Washington wine publication. Um, so people have approached me that they would you know love to have that but um, i mean i'm not doing that (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna have to pay me a lot more money if i'm gonna do something like that um but you know right now the newspaper industry is a little tough um uh to be honest wine press is doing great but um and the newspaper is doing great but um, expanding is kind of tough right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope it goes glossy at some point, um, just because I used that's what I used to do for six years was glossy publications, and you know. Uh, but 
that probably isn't in the cards necessarily in the next, mm -hmm. yeah, probably not. Mm -hmm. um, I guess just the goal is to just get better and better writers and um, maybe an assistant for me. <laughs> that would be nice. A staff writer, that yeah. would be great. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever felt any pressure to focus? Focus on Pino or focus on the Valley or specialize in any way or, or has your approach been Big. Well, we have had, you know, we've had ideas of like having these little mini publications inserted into the mm -hmm. main one, like, okay, we'll do, do like a Applegate Valley mm -hmm. insert, and, but that requires a lot of work. Sure, sure. And my plate's full, so uh, we would love to do something like that, but um, the way it's structured right now, it's just understaffed, so, mm -hmm. um, but no, I mean, the, I've been very adamant that we need to focus all over the state. So, um, Willamette Valley, you know, they have, seems like there's a Willamette Valley Living magazine or something. Um, something like that. Something like that. So, anybody, I guess, can come in and um, have a Willamette Valley wine magazine, uh, but that's not our goal. That's not our mission. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't want it either. I enjoy the variety mm -hmm. that the state has. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's better that way. Yeah. yeah. So, what about for the future of Roots Wine Company? Oh, well, I think we're really comfortable at five thousand cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think my husband. I think we can. Our our steel barn is our winery. I think we could get up to maybe 7,000, but um, uh, with distributors and selling, I mean, selling is such a hard part of the industry. Mm -hmm. People want to make it, but then you have to sell it. And um, uh, selling 5,000 cases is uh, challenging enough. So realistically, I think we're, we're um, right where we kind of want to be. Yeah, we're never going to be, we're not, you know, we're never going to be at 10,000, 20,000, you sure. know, um, uh, Elk Cove or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they, you know, they, when you've been doing it for 40 years, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that should be your goal <laughs> is perhaps to do that. But we, we, that's not, that's never been in our vision at all. So I think we're, we're pretty good. But uh, there, you know, we're, we're good. It, you know, people love our wine. We don't really get scores. We, my husband doesn't believe in it. Mm -hmm. um, well, he, we do it every once in a while because we get pressure from distributors, but we're not, um, we're just, we are who we are, and you can come up and hang out and, you know, um, <laughs> play some Pac-Man and drink some good wine, sure. but we're not trying to be anything other than what we are, and I think we're just being true to ourselves, so. Yeah. Cool. What about, so you have a pretty interesting perspective on the industry as a whole. Uh, we ask this question of everyone, but you might have the most interesting perspective so far. What do you see for the future of the industry, Oregon wine industry, next 10, 15, 20 years? What do you see happening? Well, I think um, there's going to be more and more vineyards, for sure, and wineries. Um, California coming, I mean, there's always been Californians. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, wasn't um, 
Let wasn't he from California? I mean, they're all from California. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not California per, per se, but these big companies that are coming in that that makes me pause a little bit, just because they ha- now own the vineyard across from us. Mm-hmm. Penarash is kind of behind us. Mm-hmm. Grand Moraine is at the end of our road. So we have three Jackson family entities in our very small neighborhood. Um, so I hope that um, they don't just keep buying people up. That would really be a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, that it would be just one company. You know that that that's not a good way to go. But I I don't th- see that necessarily happening. Um, there's just too many little guys out here. I mean, we're made up of a lot of little mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, little people. Um, <laughs> So I, I think it's an exciting time. I think that um, it's also, there's a lot of people, the old guard that are making decisions like the recruits. Mm-hmm. Am I, our kids, you know, aren't interested. I don't know their story, um, but mm-hmm. I imagine their kids weren't interested in taking it on. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You have to sell, Yeah. you know? So there's that, you know, Elk Cove, that's not a problem. Ponzi, that's not a problem. Sokol Blosser, that's not a problem. But um, some of these bigger ones that the kids are not involved are going to be selling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think the quality is is you know just getting better and better and better. Who who is making the wine? I don't know. You know, like mm-hmm. is it going to be big companies? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be? Um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's a very dynamic time right now. I mean, mm-hmm. always someone selling. Uh, Beaufrere being, you know, they just got a French uh, buyer. Um, the two are out, uh, Roy and, uh, oh my gosh, the guy's name, Robert Parker. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he's totally out, but Roy is. And um, I can't, I'm not a French speaker, and I don't even pretend to do the accent. So some winery in Paris, or is Paris-based. Did you guys hear about this? I hadn't heard about Beaufrere. Oh, okay. Actually. It's in the wine press, okay. um, this last wine press. But um, So there's a lot of French people coming yes. over. So that makes it interesting for sure. Um, that I don't have a problem with that. I think just the bigger companies buying up land like that makes me a little yeah. um, hesitant. But, but they also bring a lot of cachet and money. And so, you know, I don't think anyone's complaining right now. Yeah. You know, things are pretty good. And the quality of Oregon wine is just getting better and better and better. So, um, yeah. Yeah. What about the size of the industry? How, how big can it get? Oh, gosh. I'm not sure. We'll have to deal with... Well, <laughs> let's talk about climate. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't know um, how that's going to play into what we're growing mm-hmm. or the amount. Mm-hmm. Um one one harvest could you know if there's a lot of powdery mildew you're going to have a smaller harvest you know what are the disease pressures every year um i i'm thinking a volume of fruit mm-hmm. and wine mm-hmm. as far as the volume of people making the wine and you know wineries um i think that's going to just i think that's going to just keep growing mm-hmm. for sure but it, there is only so much land, right? You know, right. and Oregon is very good at protecting 
certain parts, um, like the oak savanna. Right now, people are yeah, yeah. That, that was the yeah. cover story of the May issue. Yeah, you know, they people want to tear them out and put in vineyards. Th that's the spot where vineyards go. Is these hillsides? Um, that's where the oaks thrive. And yeah. so, there's you know, people are hesitating to do that. So there's only so much land. Um, I don't know. I don't know where, it's, how big it's going to get, or I, I think it's just an organic process, you know. Mm -hmm. Sure. And if it didn't get any bigger, I don't think I think that would be great, <laughs> you know. Sure. Because yeah. people are still making great wine, and it's still approachable, and it's not, you know, Napa Valley Disneyland, and it's it's just it continues to be what it is, um, authentic. Then that's a good thing, mm -hmm. you know. So. so this kind of kind of sets up the next question I was going to ask you here. Oh. So if you were talking to someone who had no knowledge about Oregon wine, how would you describe it to them? Um, I would say that it is definitely authentic. Mm -hmm. um, that it is um, um, carefully made and carefully constructed mm -hmm. as far as um, uh, the vineyards it comes from. Um, uh, it's uh, and the people making it and um, that it's down to earth mm -hmm. um, some of it's snobby but a lot <laughs> of it isn't you know mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of people out there that just really like wine and want to um, make it and not care what you know everybody's saying in the media about it uh <laughs> Um, like these people are hardworking people. Yeah. You know, it's it's not um, people with trust funds that are just, you know, this is their winery that they own. Mm -hmm. It's they're actually out there, you know, with the weed whacker and um, scrubbing the toilets <laughs> and sure. you know, sure. really working the entire um, the entire business. There's. For most of us, we touch everything, you know, from, uh, you know, the winemaking, the growing, the marketing, the selling, the, you know, everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I Oregon wine is, um, it's, it's, it's just a very real um, industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's very real, and people are friendly, mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's an open industry. I mean, welcoming uh, people from Kansas, people <laughs> from California, people <laughs> from France, people from Wisconsin. I mean, um, it's just open and authentic and heartfelt, I believe. That's a good description. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, that's all the formal questions I have for you. Uh, is there anything else I should have asked or anything else you'd like mm, to mention? Nope. All right. Nope. Well, then thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Cool. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield College. 
The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. And a special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.